Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay cryptocurrent. We all know there's a race to acquire more Bitcoin. Why not earn more with what you already have? With Tantra Labs app, you can put your Bitcoin to work with up to 12% interest backed in Bitcoin per year, currently the highest interest rate in the industry. So, how does it all work? First, go to tantralabs.io and follow the steps to sign up. Second, after approval, deposit as much or as little as you like. Third, sit back and watch your Bitcoin work for you at 12% interest back per year. Lock in your 12% now by signing up at tantralabs.io. Or you can click on the link in our show notes and on our website. All right, what's going on, everybody? For CryptoCurrent, I'm Stephen Miller. This is my co-host, Chris Corneros, and we are live, ready to bring you some of the best from what's going on this week in the world of cryptocurrency. We've got a great show ahead. We've got um, a great segment of Buy, Seller, HODL, where we take you through two of the quick news stories and whether or not we think it gives you a buy signal, a sell signal, or a HODL. We'll then go into one of our favorite segments on the, sh- on the show, Two Bulls, One Coin. And then lastly, we're going to wrap things up with some of the biggest news and what to watch for this weekend. So let me start off by asking Chris, how are you doing? What's going on with you? I'm doing great. Uh, as you like to say, it's another beautiful day in crypto land and a lot of exciting news coming this live stream. That is for darn sure. Oh, yeah. Well, look, why don't you start us out this week? Um, I know you've got a really big piece on Helium that you wanted to get into. Oh, yeah. So first and foremost, let me just pull up this window right here. Um, as y'all can see here, this is a very big announcement coming out of the Helium Network. They partnered up with the Microsoft Azure IoT Hub. For those of you who don't know, IoT stands for Internet of Things and a little different from the internet we use. Internet of Things is not so much going on YouTube, watching cryptocurrency live streams, that kind of internet. But it's actually things like uh, weather sensors and those relaying to a news station, telling them temperature, things like that. It's the frequency that those... Uh, programs and pieces of hardware run on. Now, why do you ask? Is this a really, really big deal? Well, it's simple. Uh, Microsoft Azure is used by pretty much every major company in the world. It is the number one stop to basically keep your data in you know, a great, a very easily accessible place. It's uh, very kind of convenient to use, simple to use. I've personally used it before, and they are essentially the hub for everything you can imagine. And I honestly just don't even know how more to explain this. This is such a big deal. Essentially, what this is, is Microsoft has an Internet of Things that is kind of built out. It can connect to other frequencies that I'll talk about a little later. But it lets all these sensors kind of talk to each other, pass data, send information around. Then if you connect to one of the Microsoft Azure hubs, that data then gets put on the cloud. And then as a company, you can go into the cloud and access all of the data that your pieces of hardware have been transmitting. And the reason this is 
just huge for Helium, but also huge for actually Microsoft and a lot of its stakeholders is that Helium has a massive network, not just in the United States, but globally. So now this increases not only the amount of transactions, uh, but the speed of them as well. So if you want information, now your sensors can ping off of the Helium network and go straight to the Microsoft Cloud. And with a hotspot literally anywhere you can imagine, this is a huge deal. But the other thing that I want to get into, and this is another awesome piece of news, is actually something from Tuesday, which is uh, Helium announcing a partnership with Senate. And this is a United States-based Internet of Things that has a billion transactions per year. And the reason they are partnering up with Helium as a roaming partner is because if there's a transaction that can't find another Senate IoT uh, beacon, then the transaction just gets dropped. It doesn't happen. But now, if it can't ping off of a Senate IoT beacon, it will instead go straight to a Helium beacon and continue that transaction. So in the last, what, three days now? Four days? I think three days. Helium has added this massive United States network for Internet of Things and added a cloud, you know, a cloud server that can you know, accept all of this data. So big moves coming out of Helium. This is a massive buy signal for me. And I'm blown away. You know I love a Helium, but what are your thoughts, Steve? I mean, look, this is a really big deal, but I want to actually ask you one other question because I think that it's pretty common knowledge at this point that you've got the two biggest competitors out there for cloud servers are Azure and Amazon Web Services. In the market that Helium is serving, I don't think there's a single other player that is interfacing with Azure or um, with AWS. Is this the first real integration with the mainstream like data world that you know of? Because I think it may be. Yes. And I can speak to that because I'm... Technically, data professional. <laughs> I was gonna say, technically speaking, your your part time job is um, talk show host. So yeah, um, so yeah. As far as I know, this is the first major integration with Azure, which is insane. If you think about it, like Apple's iCloud, they don't have any major integrations like this. AWS does, but they're all tailored specifically to certain companies. This isn't like a widespread thing, and that's for me, the big deal, right? Like this is Microsoft more than it's some insane percentage. It's like 70% of computers globally run Microsoft. So a company that essentially has access to the software behind all of, you know, everything is just partnered up with Helium. So this is to me, not just a big deal for the Helium network, but it's a big step for crypto because that is a true blue chip company not like Facebook trying to create their own crypto, but this is a blue chip company partnering with an established blockchain project that is aiming to create a truly decentralized solution. And I could go on talking about Helium forever, but I want to know, Steve, are you buying, are you selling, or are you hodling this news? So we've been through like a number of different signals on Helium through the last like six months. And I've got to say, this is probably the best one that I've seen so far. And normally... In this world, you are supposed to be buying the rumor and selling the news. This flew so under the radar, like some of the other news stories that we're going to tell you about later on in this stream, that I'm very convinced this is a buy signal. Um, 
there again, there's no other commercial player that's interfacing with crypto this way. AWS, I believe, has something to the tune of like 60 to 65% of the market share in terms of overall server base. But again, we're talking about commercial use here, not just mass adoption from the public and consumer side. So to me, I see this as not just a big opportunity in general, but this is where blockchain actually has an opportunity to make a massive difference. Because in the in the lives of you and me, Chris, it's not going to change the game. It's going to change the game way further behind the scenes in the companies that we interface with. So I'm really encouraged. I think it's a buy signal. You, I already know you're buying and you're going to buy oh, anyway. Yeah. I'm, and honestly, kind of building off of what you were just saying, that's you're completely right. Like The biggest news in this is all of the companies that use like the Azure Cloud Hub they're now on the they can now access the helium blockchain their information will be moving along it if it can't find the right beacon yeah. and that to me is wild and i know for certain that a large american auto manufacturer happens to use azure for a lot of their data so this is a massive step forward this is incredible news and again i don't know why more people don't talk about helium well, look, I'm sure that in the next couple of months, more people are going to. And I think the one thing that's actually still holding them back is the exchange accessibility factor. The second that Helium ends up finding its way onto a Coinbase, or I actually think it's on, I think it is trading on KuCoin, but maybe not Binance, or am I thinking Kraken? One of them. Uh, it's, I, so I know for certain it's on Binance, and I think it's also on uh, I think it's on X. As well, so, so it's on there. Then it's it's available on KuCoin, I believe. It's not available on Kraken or Coinbase yet. So we'll see how that develops. But again, it's starting to capture enough of the market that I'm convinced. Like we're about to see it take off. But let's move into our next story. Um, our next story today for uh, buy seller hodl is this lovely gem on Robinhood. So again, just to verify, because there have been some fake news stories in the past and even in the last week or so, um, this is not one of them. This is through a verified source, which is Reuters. And they basically came out and said, effective two days ago, that Robinhood is going to be rolling out its crypto wallets. Now, up until this point, Robinhood has been basically just straightaway custodying crypto assets for its um, customers. So. If Chris were to be a Robinhood customer, which Chris, are you a Robinhood customer? Nope. Perfect. So if you're a Robinhood customer, you would be able to go buy your crypto assets. So your Bitcoin, your Ethereum, your Litecoin, the major cryptos through Robinhood. And it would show up in your account that you have that amount of crypto. But it's not actually yours. It's not like you actually are holding and cut and self-custodying those assets. But because that's been one of the biggest criticisms of Robinhood to date, they've decided to start um, rolling out their own crypto wallet platform. So basically, in early 2022, they're planning on rolling this out, but they've already started beta testing it. And I think that you can actually go up to their site. And again, if I'm not mistaken, you can like put your email in to get on a list to test their software. Um, I am a really big proponent 
of self-custodying your assets unless you plan on immediately exchanging and like trying to stay extremely liquid with those assets. That's the only case in my mind where you should have your assets on an exchange. But again, if they're going to roll out a crypto wallet, that means that immediately their customers are able to self-custody those assets that they trade. So Chris, at large, you know how much of a critic of Robinhood I am. I know that you're not particularly a fan of it. Do you see this as a game changer in the space that now we're starting to see them adopt more, call it regular or mass policy that most people you know, uphold? I, I, think it's a, I think it's a very positive indicator, but you know, cautiously optimistic is how I would describe what I'm feeling because at the end of the day, it's Robinhood. We've seen how they handle you know, massive price spikes in the past. And so, yes, they're rolling out a wallet. But, you know, at the end of the day, how much control will you really have over it? We won't know until yeah. it fully rolls out. Yeah, look, it's true. Um, and, and again, there's a lot that is still in question about Robinhood. There's no secret to that. Um, but I guess my question to you is, if you look at this news and you want to consider it from the perspective of buy, seller, hodl, who do you see benefiting? I see retail non-crypto investors um, still kind of working out an easy phrase to describe those people, but it's something we bring up a lot, right? Like at the end of the day, actual people involved in crypto make up maybe 5% of the global financial market. Most people are more traditional investors. They're going to try and buy into crypto. And we've talked about how it's really complicated. Coinbase is the easiest one to get set up on, but the rest... Even something like a Kraken or a Binance, Binance isn't available everywhere, even in the US. Something like Kraken, you're going to need five different stages of verification before you can really trade and use. But if you have Robinhood, which is backed by institutional investors, creating crypto wallets so you can actually transfer you know, your assets around, that makes it very easy, even easier actually than Coinbase to get involved in crypto because signing up for a Robinhood account takes five minutes, minimal verification could go in, buy however much Bitcoin or Ethereum that you want, and then you actually own it because it's in a wallet. So I think it really benefits, quite frankly, the people that are probably not watching this live stream. Yeah. And I think that I'll give you one quick thought better there. The people that this benefits, of course, is the crypto newcomer, somebody who is crypto curious, the type of people that we hope to reach. So when I'm speaking to those people, most of those crypto newcomers are not going to be investing super heavily in altcoins, right? It's not going to be that investor who wants to go out of their way to find a micro cap or even a mid cap outside of the top 100 market cap coins. This is immediately going to benefit the customer that's going to buy Ethereum, Bitcoin, Litecoin, and arguably Bitcoin Cash. But I am really sick of people saying that that's even remotely on the table. Um, that's just me personally. But I think that if you're looking at it from that perspective, in the four coins it's going to benefit, I would say it's probably going to be a buy. Because this is not technically the news. If you're looking at it from the perspective of buy the rumor, sell the news, this is the rumor because the actual platform hasn't yet rolled out. This is just the announcement of the announcement. So I would tell you this is more of a buy signal for the big four. I think it supports that um, thesis that we're going to see bigger mass adoption and growth throughout the back half of this year, um, or I guess the final quarter of this year. 
because we're already well into the back half. Um, but either way, that's going to wrap up Buy, Seller, HODL for us this week. Um, again, I'd like to remind you guys, if you found Buy, Seller, HODL enjoyable, entertaining, educational, do us a favor. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button. Press the like ever so gently for us. Let us know that you're enjoying the content and that it's actually teaching you something. Or otherwise, you can also click that bell and make sure that you're getting notifications anytime that we're putting up new content. As you probably see up across the top bar, we do new interviews here on Cryptocurrent every Monday and Thursday with Richard. And then every Tuesday and Friday, we're live streaming here at 7 p.m. Eastern. So you can always find us here, mark it on your calendar, schedule that reminder. We'll be here for you every single Tuesday and Friday, and then new content um, or interviews every Monday and Thursday. So let's move into the next segment. Our all-time favorite segment here on Fridays, which Chris and I get way too much enjoyment out of, Two Bulls, One Coin. Chris, what are we covering this week for Two Bulls, One Coin? We are going to be covering abracadabra.money, or more specifically, Magic internet money, as they so eloquently put it. So magic internet money and abracadabra are this really interesting concept. And to be able to break this down for a crypto newcomer, I have to admit, I think it's going to be a little bit challenging. Um, But I want us to be able to at least take a good shot at it. Because when you see a project that brands themselves this way, and I'll bring it up on screen here for just a second so you can get a little bit of a feel for it, nearly did the exact opposite of what I was trying to do. You start to see that this is like, it's really playing into meme culture, right? You get a lot of that 8-bit vibe that you see within the um, within the NFT space, but it's spelling it out like it's almost a game in and of itself. So Chris, as I'm scrolling through here, what stands out to you about this project? First and foremost is that they have their own stablecoin. And that the whole idea behind the project is you can basically collateralize any interest-bearing token. So things like USDT, USDC, Sushi, etc. And then you can put those up you know, as collateral. They'll give you magic internet money, which is their token, in exchange. And if you want to take back what you have as collateral... All you have to do is return that amount of magic internet money, which honestly seems pretty interesting. And I'd like to know your thoughts on it, Steve. Look, I, I'm always going to be very skeptical of something that brands itself this way. Because realistically, what are we looking at? We're looking at something that's operating in the DeFi space. Okay, Decentralized finance is something that for mass adoption to occur, it needs validity. It needs to instill confidence in the buyer or in the, you know, the general consumer that's going to be utilizing the platform. So when I see this and like, I get the very straightforward messaging of the, the formula straightforward, collateral in, poof, stablecoin out. Sure, it makes sense. But this is a little bit too playful for me to take seriously on the front. Um, but again, I, I think that people are adopting it. The one thing that I will say that I find encouraging is it's starting to get bigger uh, partners. There's a very, very significantly um, funded project called Olympus DAO 
it rolled out in the last couple of weeks or at least started getting mainstream attention in the last couple of weeks. And they've already announced that they're partnering with Abracadabra. Now, does that mean they're going to be a long-term winner? It's way too early to say. Um, but from a very base concept level, I'm at least reassured. I, I think that there is something to it. Um, but I want to dive in a little bit further um, with a little bit more of your guidance. So I'm going to go ahead and take my screen share off. Bring you back up here, Chris. Chris, when we look at this project, do you get any type of vibe from it? It's like, I guess, optimistic. What? Hmm. The vibe I get, actually, I've been thinking about this a lot since I saw the project for the first time, is it is eerily reminiscent of the first coin we ever discussed in Two Bulls, One Coin, which is Pickle Finance. It's eerily similar in that you stake your assets and then you are given in return you know, the Pickle Coin or whatever it was called back. The difference here, though, for me is that Pickle Finance was incredibly transparent in the ranges of APY you'll get, the length you need to lock it in, as well as how many people um, have been staking, etc. What I'm not as optimistic about is how vague Abracadabra is. There's no mention of the team behind it. Um, <laughs> there's no mention of the rates you'll get, even though they want interest-bearing tokens. And so to me, it kind of comes off as like a little bit of a get-rich-quick scheme for the team behind it because they want interest-bearing tokens as collateral, probably so they can go and stake those and get a return on them while you have magic internet money instead. So for me, there is one thing that I kind of come back to, and I always fall back on this regardless of whether you're looking at a project that's questionably a shitcoin versus, you know, something that has a ton of promise or like has a really solid white paper. I always am looking for those, those details that you were talking about with team, but I'm also looking for the tokenomics model. And fortunately for people that visit the site, if they were to scroll all the way to the bottom, they would find a Git book, which is basically a quick um, documentation center for the project. And in their Git book, they spell out their tokenomics actually very effectively. Um, frankly, it's extremely easy to understand. But beyond that, I almost get to the point where I forgive the fact that their team is completely absent. Okay? And I'll spell this out for a second. So within this whole abracadabra.money platform, you have three specific tokens. Okay? It's not just one. You have spell. Spell is basically the token that they're using for incentivization for people to come in and like actually utilize the platform. You have S spell, which is obtained by staking those spell tokens. And then it's basically used for fee sharing and governance among the people that are use using the project. And then, of course, comes our favorite part of this project, MIM, Magic Internet Money, which is their USD pegged stablecoin. Now, there is a deflationary mechanism, which is something that everybody in the world loves to get off on in crypto. If the project has a deflationary mechanism, they see that immediately as an up-only um, marker. But I don't find that to be the case. 
the real up only marker has to come from the tokenomics. If the tokenomics don't make sense, there is no up only. So for me, I'm looking at this fact that they lay out their tokenomics really clearly that on IDO for the basic public sale, they sold only 7% of the total tokens. Now, the team had a pretty significant allocation. They had 30% of the tokens in existence. But then the remaining 45% and 18% were basically held for both farming rewards and incentives for integrating with the community. I think that on its own is something that somebody really should be paying more attention to is just the fact that it's such a large volume. I think that if the math checks out there, I believe that's something to the tune of 63% is just specifically in incentivization and working with um, within the actual community. That's a big buy for me. But beyond that, they spell out one other really big detail. And that's the fact that MIM, their stablecoin, is multi-chain. What do I mean when I say multi-chain, Chris? It can talk to and be transacted across multiple blockchains. And I know we talked about this earlier, I believe. Uh, Ethereum blockchain it works on, um, as well as Polygon and maybe Solana. Yep. So right now, via any swap as a bridge, uh, Magic Internet Money works on Binance Smart Chain, Phantom Opera Network, Avalanche, Ethereum, and I believe they have plans to roll out Solana in the next week or so. Um, because we're right now targeting an interoperable future, this is a signal of a coin that not only is doing something very needed in the present, they have their eye on the future very, very clearly. Um, so I'm encouraged by that. But is there anything else that we need to be bringing up about this project? Not that comes to mind. I'm still cautiously optimistic. I'm still not all in. Okay. But I do think it has promise. I'm just not that sold on it yet. Whereas with Pickle, when we talked about that, and it had similar... So a little different, but I'd say Pickle had similar concepts behind it. I loved Pickle from the get-go. And that's because I could go on the site. and Everything was very clearly explained. I knew if I put an X, this is what I'm getting out of it. And that to me was instant. I want this. I don't think of this as a shitcoin. Abracadabra is... Like you were saying earlier, it seems a little less serious. There is a little more kind of mystique to it. But to another one of your points, the tokenomics are fantastic. It operates on several blockchains. And I think that is very promising and definitely something to consider. So one of the more risky coins for me, but not one that I would ever completely rule out. So first and foremost, everybody, if you're noticing that we're freezing a little bit, we're sorry, we are having a little bit of an internet technical malfunction going on intermittently here. Uh, but what I will say is from my perspective, I agree with Chris 100%. I think that this project has something to it. I just wish there was a little bit more transparency. So consider this not necessarily us calling out 
um, magic internet money or the spell token as shit coins. Take this as a case study in what you need to be researching for your next um, big research push when you're looking into another coin. Because that's what we're doing here is we're establishing whether or not through you know basic research, you can determine if a coin is worth your time or if it's worth somebody who invests in Dogecoin's money. Um, but that's going to wrap it for us this week. I'm going to go ahead and say this is not a shit coin, but it very well may turn into one by the end of it. Who knows? Awesome. So... Chris, before we move into our big news segment of the day, I want to go ahead and remind everybody to make sure that they're following us on socials. Um, You see our socials across the top banner of the screen. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter through those handles. But you can also find us on Facebook. And I believe we are also right now trying to boost our presence on Discord. So please join us through there. We'd love to have you um, joining the conversation. And of course, you can also join us on our private Telegram channel. So if you decide that you want to join our Telegram channel and get immediate feedback from us on a daily basis, just send me or Richard a DM through Twitter and we will add you immediately. Um, But we have a lot of really great content going on there. So let's go ahead and carry this thing forward and move into our big news segment of the day, Chris. The big news segment of the day that we wanted to focus on is Bitcoin and Litecoin and why you need to absolutely stop disrespecting the OGs. The first big piece of this that we have to bring up this week from all of the news and you know, seeing the aftershock ripples come through is everything that's been going on with China. Chris, give us your you know, quick down low on what's been going on so, with China, China and Bitcoin. Actually on September 15th, but it was made public this morning. Well, I should rephrase that. It was made more public this morning because it actually was already announced on September 15th, but it was posted everywhere online today that China, uh, China's banks actually, I believe, came out and said it, that Bitcoin and Ethereum, if you make any transactions with them, it is illegal in China and it freaked people out. Except the people that freaked out are kind of new to crypto. And what they don't really realize is China has made this announcement every single year. And if you remember, up until about six months ago, China also happened to be the largest Bitcoin mining hub in the world. So obviously, this isn't something to get too scared about. What I will say, though, is it does fit the bill for what China wants to do. And especially with them trying to roll out the digital yuan, it, you know, they're basically trying to say, fine, you want to get involved in crypto? Okay, we just want to be in control of it, which is what China likes to do. They're a country that, um, you know, is theoretically communist, although I'd say they lean more capitalist, whether they admit it or not. But they really like having control of as much as they can. And a form of currency is one of those things they like controlling. Look, I am very, very read into this story at this point. And the fact that it's gotten to where it has in terms of how the public is adopting it and how the public is taking it into account in their trading decisions, I think is just a little bit past erroneous. People need to understand that this is not the story of the day. China, I mean... 
Chris literally said it, but if you go back and you do the, the digging, you'll see that it's almost like they have scheduled FUD. Like September, September is the month where China decides that it, it wants to ban Bitcoin again and ban Bitcoin again. And I can tell you, because I saw the memes earlier today and the memes are fantastic. There's a, a, a nine frame image that basically shows the years of like uh, 2016 through 2022 and we're smack dab in the middle or sorry, 2026, and we're smack dab in the middle. And on every single frame, it says, China bans Bitcoin, China bans Bitcoin, China bans Bitcoin for every single year. And it's true. It's not just a meme. So people need to move on from the whole China narrative. If they don't want to be in, don't let them be in. The fact that we've moved so much of the hash power from Bitcoin miners outside of China at this point is a miracle. It's a godsend. But I've heard from another... like semi-connected source to these types of stories, they may be banning it for public consumption because they want the power, but you need to go one step further. The Chinese government has an absolute stockpile of Bitcoin. Okay? They're sitting on it. The US government is sitting on it, but very few people or institutions for that matter are disclosing it. That's the, that's the stuff that's going on behind the scenes and why I'm convinced that we do not need to be paying attention to this absolute BS. But more so, if you see a country that's trying to suppress Bitcoin, understand that there's one thing above all else. They're suppressing freedom. And in my book, that makes you a villain. So I'm done with this whole Chinese narrative. One, one thing I will the hell say, on from it. Um, to me, this is just outright ignorance. Is everyone outside of China spreading FUD about this and freaking out about how, oh, you can't use Bitcoin in transactions there. They made it illegal. That's a big deal. It means the value's less. It actually isn't. Because if you go to China, you know that every single person there does all of their financial transactions over WeChat. And WeChat is never going to allow Bitcoin on there because the government isn't going to like it, right? They want to use the UN because if you don't, it devalues their own currency. And so unless WeChat had at any point made Bitcoin transactions available, this news doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, the way the Chinese people are going to go to a store and pay for something, or they're going to pay for their taxi or anything you can imagine, they use it on WeChat. And so that's why I really feel like this shouldn't be news that discourages you. But because it's just Discouraging, you know, the let's call them the rookie crypto people or the newcomers. It's just discount season, baby. Buy that dip. Yep, that's absolutely the truth. So let's give you a little bit more of a reason to buy that dip now. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen again, and we're going to get into what the actual news is. The actual news that we've got going on this week broke, I believe, sometime in the late afternoon. Yesterday. You're right. Yep. And it was that Twitter has officially made Bitcoin tipping available to all iOS users in its first beta run of um, Bitcoin and Lightning Network integration. Basically, the idea of turning fans, so like, you know, making an influencer able to turn their fans into funds. Granted, it's a little bit of a messed up internal marketing view of it. <clears throat> but Ultimately, it's about turning Twitter into a hub for creators. That's the big play here. 
um, to be able to then monetize further within what they've got going on in their own um, influence funnels. So Twitter also plans to roll out an NFT authentication feature through its early, but it's currently still in the early days on this particular product. Now, there's a lot more to this story. But the big piece to me is the fact that we are starting to see not just commercial, but interpersonal and consumer adoption, or at least gateways to consumer adoption that we've never even thought was possible. For the longest time, we thought that like Venmo was going to be the you know, means of transacting. This is going to start to become the means of transacting because they're not just opening this up for Bitcoin. They're going to be opening this up for a lot more platforms. So you can literally tip in whatever your currency is because in the release, they actually said that you're also going to be able to tip in fiat. So don't necessarily think about what's right in front of you in the title. Be thinking about what it also implies. So NFTs being in the future and giving authentication to whether or not your profile picture matches up with what's in your wallet, that's going to be a big deal. People are going to be able to see with a new little blue check mark in a different space on Twitter that you are actually verified to be the owner of X piece of artwork. Um, to me, that's a massive vote of confidence for Bitcoin. But it's even bigger than that, a vote of confidence in the Lightning Network, which has gotten a lot of criticism over the last three years. But today has been adopted not only by a nation in El Salvador, but now by one of the biggest social media corporations in the world in Twitter. Chris, what do you uh, think about this? Is there any other pieces of the so, story that kind of, kind of draw parts. your attention? I first learned about this not from any article, not from any news. But I learned about this on Twitter because someone that I follow tweeted out that they had just sent someone $5 in Bitcoin over Twitter. And to me, that is actually bigger news than this because it is all well and good to say that you're rolling out a new feature or you're looking to do something. But it doesn't matter unless it works. And the fact that it works and it's easy to do is a very big deal. And kind of what we were talking about earlier with what Robinhood is doing in their wallet. Last Friday, I talked about how Venmo and PayPal were adding uh, you know, crypto purchases. But they're kind of where Robinhood is now. You don't actually own it. To me, the bigger news, even more than that it works or that they're you know, rolling this out, is the fact that a social media platform in Twitter has better peer-to-peer -peer crypto payments than any of the established peer-to-peer -peer payment services. That is wild. And if I was a massive content creator, I would be jumping for joy because I think one of the biggest downsides for a lot of creators has been kind of the difficulty in monetizing your content on Twitter, right? Like the really the only way right now you can actually monetize Twitter is by partnering up with brands, getting affiliate links, things like that. But now if you have fans that go and watch your content or read your tweets, right? Just like with YouTube where you can become a member to a channel and you can pay you know, monthly fee to support your creator, you can now tip and support your favorite creator on Twitter. And more than that, you can do it in Bitcoin. And like we saw with Russell Okun and how his salary half in Bitcoin made him the most valuable NFL player last year. This is now, if you're getting tipped in Bitcoin, this is going to make 
creators insane amounts of money down the line. And that to me is a big, big deal. And I think some people are still missing that. Although I don't think it'll be that way for long. I think people will start to pick up on that. Yeah, I think the one additional piece to it, and you just started to nick it. And I want to make sure that I point this out because I saw another content creator point this out. And it may be the biggest part of this entire story. If you are... Let's just use any one of the big banks or a remittance provider. You are shitting your pants right now. Like, If you are in a consumer position and you need to send somebody money or just general funds, there is no reason... There's no reason at this point to be using something like Western Union. None. Why would you go through paying all those fees, dealing with the BS of having to wait two weeks for a wire to go through when you can use Lightning Network through Twitter? It literally will show up in your Bitcoin wallet in minutes. Not hours, not days, not weeks, minutes. So Twitter may very well become the very next biggest remittance provider when it comes to global money transfer. That's crazy. I mean, to think that we're saying that about Twitter, a company that was getting crapped on in the media for being the weakest social media platform, what, like less than a year ago? Even up to six months ago? To me, right, the thing that I want to think about is... The banks obviously are freaking out, have been for a while. PayPal was the first to get them to freak out. Then you have Venmo Cash App that are coming along. They basically have made have started to kind of make wire transfers irrelevant and you know archaic. But even apps like Cash App and PayPal and Venmo, they have a lot of issues where if you receive too much money, a lot of times they will put a freeze on your account and make it impossible for you to get those funds out. And for a lot of content creators, I know PayPal especially, if someone says, say, donates to your live stream, they can actually you know, create a chargeback for that because PayPal reads it as a transaction, not as a gift or donation, which is what it is. If you do this on Twitter, and it's strictly peer-to-peer like this, and it's not just crypto, but also fiat, that's actually a superior way of sending money. Say like you're in school and you need you know, money for groceries or something and your parents want to send you money. Twitter is actually going to be the best way to do it because it'll be faster than the others. You have no worry of ever being locked out of your funds and you don't have to you know, argue with anyone. And, to, yeah. and again, that goes, that goes back to the Robin Hood article, right? That's the big thing that we want you to take away is that you don't need a bank to custody your assets anymore. In this situation, if you have a Bitcoin wallet and you want to put your funds into that Bitcoin wallet, you can custody your own assets and not have to worry about moving you know, your funds between different providers or getting locked out of your accounts. When you custody your own assets and you go bankless, it's up to you. It's your privacy. It's your decision where you send your money. Um, I think that Twitter is doing a phenomenal thing here and I can't wait to see how they take it to the next level when they truly do integrate this NFT functionality. But before we um, run out of too much time here, I want to bring up the other final note in this respect the OGs narrative. And this is something that I actually was shocked 
to find out that this flew that under the radar. But we came to find out earlier on this month, I think it was overshadowed by other news, that Litecoin actually launched smart contract functionality and tokenizing assets and NFTs through Litecoin. I feel like I need to repeat that because it is such a big flipping deal that you have one of the oldest, trusted, oscillating cryptocurrencies that was intended to be used as a currency finding a way to roll out smart contracts on top of their blockchain, finding a new way to roll out NFTs on top of their blockchain. That's really, really big. So basically, they came up with this platform and this minting hub called Omnilite. And that is what is immediately connecting and allowing them to do these smart contract transactions on the Litecoin network. I think the big reason why you need to pay attention to this story is that this literally gives a gateway and a reminder to everybody who criticizes the large cryptocurrencies that are intended to be stores of value or just used for currency evade on top of anything that already exists. It is not limited just because it had an initial uh, mission. When they rolled out um, Mimblewimble on Litecoin earlier this year, it was intended to be a privacy protocol to give the option to enable private transactions. This flew so under the radar and became a stealth rollout for Litecoin right around the time that we saw fake news out of um, Walmart and Litecoin. I'm going to go out on a limb here and throw a conspiracy theory your way that might just kind of shake you up a bit. I think that somebody accidentally leaked that Walmart information and Walmart forced them to recant. This entire network that they've now managed to set up through Litecoin, it could very easily be what they are going to use to empower a de- not a decentralized, but a blockchain network for the world's biggest retailer. Because it's time-tested, it's stable, but now because Walmart operates on millions of SKUs, millions of SKUs across their entire retail operation, those smart contracts allow them to not only accept Litecoin, but accept their payments in a number of different ways and even start selling non-physical assets by way of NFTs. So they can sell NFTs for redemption for services. Because again, they in parts of the world, they have service providers utilize walmart.com to sell services. Their assets and what they sell across the organization that they would need something like this. It's not as simple as just saying there's one way to transact on it. I really think that we are going to see something come out of this. It's way bigger than just a stealth update of, you know, Omnilite smart contracts and way bigger than just a basic partnership. I think that this is going to be the public's gateway to utilizing things like Litecoin and Bitcoin at your local Walmart. Chris, what do you think about this? Hey, I love it. 
And like you were saying about you know the OGs and how people will talk down on them because they're supposed to just be stores of value or means of transacting. I think this just supports that, right? This is Litecoin creating more value for itself. It makes it inherently more valuable if not only can you use it to buy things and transact on a peer-to-peer basis, but also with you know, retailers like a Walmart. They're also enabling smart contracts. So now you can go, hopefully in the future, onto OpenSea and buy NFTs with this, right? This makes it inherently more valuable because you can use it in more places. And I think that is just the biggest takeaway here, right? Bitcoin is that original crypto. The whole point of it is to essentially be the digital version of gold because it's deflationary. There's a hard limit. It theoretically should only go up in value. Everything that's come after it, altcoins, right? They're in theory also supposed to be stores of value or they're supposed to be for transacting. But the reality is, is like all the currencies after gold, all the currencies after Bitcoin in the crypto space aren't necessarily going to have that same store of value. But this is Litecoin basically looking at all the coins in the same space as it. So the Ethereum, or think of you know coins like Ethereum. And basically saying, okay, we're going to one-up your smart contracts, Ethereum, because we're not going to have outrageous gas fees to make a simple transaction. And that, to me, is so important. And I think also why a company like Walmart, fake news or not, would even consider partnering with a crypto for transactions. Because Ethereum doesn't make sense when it costs just as much as your purchase for the transaction to even happen. And again, this, in my opinion, comes down to information. Because in a transaction that's just like, you know, in a store of wealth asset like Bitcoin, it's simple, right? You're transferring value. But there is far more value in the information that can be utilized on a blockchain. And utilization of information is what's ultimately the greater store of value more so than just capital or work in the case of Bitcoin, because that's where the value of Bitcoin comes from is the work that is put in to mine it. There was one thing I wanted to mention on this um, because I I think that it's really, really key in this whole discussion of like dominant store of value and determining what is a store of value. But I'm going to read this quick quote because Zero Hedge actually hit it right on the nose this morning when when they posted this. So... As cryptocurrencies use in DeFi and NFT, as cryptocurrency use in DeFi and NFTs becomes more widespread, Ethereum will end up building its own first mover advantage in applied crypto technology. Ethereum can also be used to store almost any information securely and privately on a decentralized ledger. That means the platform has the potential to become a large market for trusted information. When you are compiling that to the point where Ethereum could theoretically become the Amazon of information. And you apply that that exact logic to other Web3 platforms and ecosystems, Solana, Avalanche, um, Cardano, to name a few. Those platforms are going to naturally have more value than Bitcoin. 
So while we talk about the flipping and bringing Ethereum above Bitcoin at some point in terms of market cap, that may not be a foregone conclusion that it's just going to be Ethereum. You could very well see if Litecoin gets adoption for its smart contract um, use case, that because it is so stable and because it has so much trust in the way the network works, it too could get a huge boost in the coming months. Um, so I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to do my best to, to link that article below for you in case you want to go back and review the Zero Hedge um, article that came out this morning. Um, but again, that is our after, Aftershock segment for this week. Let's just before we go, do a couple of quick reminders on what to watch for in the next week. Um, Cardano Summit starts tomorrow and the 26th. Um, that is going to be Cardano's big event of the year. If you thought Alonzo was big, get ready. Because Charles Hoskinson is giving the keynote um, at 10.45 a.m. Eastern Time on Saturday. And so tomorrow morning for everyone watching. Yep. If you're tuning in on Friday, and in that case, you know, whenever you're tuning in, it may be in the past, maybe in the future, who knows. Um, but the point is, is that in that event, there is going to be some really big news dropped. And I'm telling you right now, you will not want to miss it. And it is going to be bigger news than Alonzo. <laughs> And I can't believe I'm sitting here saying that. Um, part of it leaked this morning. I'm not going to give it away until we actually have full confirmation of it. But it could be huge. The other huge thing that's happening in the next couple of days is on the 29th, where Luna, which um, is the ticker name, but it's Terra, T-E-R-R-A, something you've heard about a couple of times on our channel. They are launching a massive network upgrade called Columbus 5. To make it really simple to understand for you guys, this upgrade will basically accelerate the burning of Luna tokens. And essentially, the algorithm on the network is going to make it so that turns Luna even further deflationary. The other things in the upgrade basically are going to um, enable a layer of insurance for projects that are built by Terraform Labs, the company that's behind the Luna and the Terra blockchain, creating a safety net for users. But it's also going to create a bridge linking Terra, Solana, and even Cosmos and Polkadot all together so that Terra is going to essentially be the hub that you can use to interact with all these blockchains. Uh, this is a huge deal. And it's going to effectively allow them to move their stablecoin to USD across multiple um, chains. So very, very cool news there. Definitely worth watching. I would not be surprised if we see some really explosive and parabolic price action out of Terra. Final reminders um, and announcements for you guys. We had a couple great episodes come out this week with Russell LaCour from Tantra Labs and um, Cryptogenic from Sync Network. But next week on Monday, we have Idan Yago from Sovereign, um, which is a Bitcoin lending platform, sitting down with Richard to talk about um, how Sovereign is changing the game in Bitcoin lending. Then also next Thursday, uh, Richard is sitting down with Nathin Palavali. I hope I didn't butcher the pronunciation on his name. Um, with Rubik's, Rubik's Exchange, um, which is a peer-to-peer -peer exchange platform. So we got a lot of great content coming up, guys. Again, you can always join us here on Cryptocurrent Live on um, Tuesdays and Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we're always here for you. Richard and I come to you live on Tuesdays. Chris and I come to you live on Fridays. But of course, we're here for you on social media. Make sure that you're following us 
right up above at the um, handles that we've got in the title bar. Make sure that you're subscribed. Hit the like button if we brought you a little bit of value this Friday. Otherwise, have yourselves a great weekend. We'll see you soon. And stay Cryptocurrent. Have a good one. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from Jess Corson. I am an entrepreneur who is entering the crypto space. This show has given me the insight and ideas for a direction I should go in. It has also filled in the blanks in my mind to understanding cryptocurrency. I feel like I have joined a community listening to Richard and all the wonderful guests he has on the show. If you need a place to give you balance and checks with your thought process and respect to crypto, this is the place. Highly recommend. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Carthon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay Cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.